go and see them in their truth. Burn the lies away with thine queries. Parse gold from silt with thine prying eyes. Here we shall know their hearts and judge them, and the worthy will find succor and grace, whilst the unworthy dwindle and die in the cold. Let this be thy cause in all things, for the good of Scalos and her people. The Book of Scalos, Part 3, Verse 15 The Inquisitor's Vow <sighs> Elderblade Productions. This is Echoes of Exesor, Episode 5, Colors of Death. Inquisitor took my hands in hers as she led me to the dance floor. Her claws scraped against my fingers, and memories of being raked across the back by them nearly brought me to tears. Besides that, her hands were soft and supple. The calluses she'd worn like badges of honor during the war had disappeared. Every part of her demanded attention. The scarlet of her hair the emerald gleam of her dress. She was a vision. One would never think of her as a monster. Perhaps that's what made her so effective at being one. The worst monsters always hid in plain sight. She led me towards the focus gem pedestal on the bottom floor. She touched it, and an instant later we found ourselves standing on the highest of the floating ice rings, about three stories high. There were not many dancers on this level. Most preferred to mingle with the high-powered elites below. Others found the spinning discs at this height made them dizzy and nauseous. Only a handful of couples joined us, leaving ample space for private conversation. I hope you're not afraid of heights, Senator, said the Inquisitor with a wink. Her voice was airy, almost aloof like the horrors she'd inflicted on me and countless others didn't weigh her down in the slightest. I'll manage, was all I could choke out in response. It occurred to me that if I wanted to, I could hurl the demon off this floating disc to her death. A waist-high railing lining the disc was the only thing between us and the open air. I had the perfect disguise. Her guard was down. All it would take was a lunge and one surging twist to my side. No doubt I would be six ways dead by the time she hit the floor, but what of that? Hadn't this been my true purpose in joining the Ebon Mist all along? Nix and his family would be safe. My father and I would be avenged. All of Exesor would sleep just a little more soundly. I could think of worse deaths, 
Denarthy, I reminded myself. My teeth clenched at the thought. I pictured his gaunt, mangled face pleading for mercy. I remembered the bone-rattling voice of the spirit inside of him, the question it posed that continued to haunt me. What remains of you when the words fail? Rowan of Shalecross would have thrown the Inquisitor without a second thought. But he was dead now. I am Claude Von Der, I thought, and I have a job to do. A surging bass note struck out from the violin section of the band. The pianist struck out a few teasing chords. A call to dance. A lovely human woman with jewels in her braided hair took center stage and began to sing softly in Alzarian. The Inquisitor placed her left hand on the small of my back. A rush of frost spread up my spine at her touch. We began to sway in circles, allowing the flow of the song to set our pace. You're good on your feet, she said with a charming smile. No malice lined her voice. Had I not known better, I would have sworn she was actually enjoying herself. Not many men around here know how to dance. Just one of my many talents, I replied evenly. Now more than ever I took caution not to betray my identity. With my scarce information on Dalvacus's personality, I chose to keep things short. If I was lucky, she would think I was being coy. I'm sure, the Inquisitor laughed. There's a reason they call you Diamond Dalvacus. You've got many facets. We came to a sweeping bridge in the music. I took the opportunity to spin the Inquisitor around. It bought me a precious few seconds to gather my thoughts. Doubtless she's here for Black Sun, I thought. Information. Or possibly looking to sink her claws into the project. But what could she have of value to offer new Alzar? You said you've been dying to meet me, I pressed when we joined hands once more. I assume it wasn't merely to test my dancing prowess. Observant, too, she remarked, arching an eyebrow. I'll get right to it, Senator. I want an introduction to the Emperor. I believe Solace deserves a seat at the table in this new world being created. A new world, I repeated. I didn't want to give anything away to her, in case I misjudged how much she already knew. Who says there's anything wrong with the current one? Everyone who lives below this mountain, she said. Her clipped tone frayed the mask of the elegant debutante she was clearly trying to maintain. There's no need to play games, Senator. We both know Exeser is mired in chaos. It's only a matter of time before someone with a big enough club comes along to shock the masses into order. My people may not have the club, but it couldn't hurt to be in good graces with the ones that do. You're here on behalf of King Jinatas, I asked. I was curious to know how involved the Inquisitor was currently with the Celestrian hierarchy. Even by Draelish standards, 
She'd committed war crimes while serving in the military. How official was this visit? No, she said. My ambitions these days are slightly more... private. But no less grand. Hmm. Speaking with a foreign power without the crown's authority. Some would call that brazen in... uh, Kalsana. The Inquisitor's lip pursed, thin as a knife's edge. And others would call it treasonous, I'm aware. But winning a boon from New Alzar in the Crown's name may rouse their mercy. Maybe even grant me a promotion. I'm sure a man like you can appreciate that sometimes the path to greatness takes a detour into the shade. Except for people like you who make their home in the shade, I thought. Indeed. Still, the Emperor's a busy man, you understand. I'll need something more to pique his interest in hearing you out. Again, her mask faltered. Confidence still ruled the Inquisitor's face, but where there was once composure, a calm, calculated poise, I now saw a mounting conviction. A righteous zeal possessed her. Her scarlet eyes widened as her grip on my hand and back tightened. Gone was her posh, affected voice, replaced now by a dim, fervent growl. Anyone can build a weapon, Senator Delvacus. But there are things living in this world with power beyond our imagining. Power unsurpassable. What if I told you I knew where one could find such a being? Or how one could control it? Her words made my skin want to recede into my body. I commanded my bones not to quake in her embrace, bit my tongue to keep from heaving a panicked breath. I would say you've been reading too many fairy tales, I laughed forcedly. What did you see? Eowu, the Veilman, I hear anti-whitebark is popular these days. Ever wonder about that door in the Eastern Ward? The one in the Dead End Alley, with the crest of the sword in the smoke? Against my will, my heart began to pound. Sweat formed on my brow. She knows about the mist, I thought. Isolde said her memories might return of myself and Nix in that night in the cabin. But how in the pit did she trace it back to the mist itself? Then, the Inquisitor pulled me in close, so close I could hear her heartbeat. I smelled her perfume, lilacs and oranges. Her breath was like burnt sugar, hot and sweet as she whispered in my ear. I know how to open it. The Inquisitor pulled back, armored once again with quiet strength. I stared at her, speechless. I released her and stepped back, willing against a heavy wobble in my knees. My thoughts were blackened and blunted, sinking like rotten fruit from my head down to my stomach. This is my fault. I broke the pact, parted the curtain Isolde's magic had drawn.
And this witch saw through it, like she sees through everything. A second passed between us, the longest second of my life. The blood pools she called eyes gazed at me, eager for my response. None came. In this duel of words, I had been utterly disarmed, held at her point, waiting the killing blow. Abruptly, the music was usurped by a barrage of trumpets. It seized the attention of everyone in the rotunda. I said a silent prayer to the gods for saving me from the conversation. Below us, a pair of grand azure doors opened. A kicktay herald emerged, wings flecked with gold paint and sporting a golden feather protruding from the base of his beak. His white gold robes fluttered around him like summer clouds. His taloned hands gestured openly towards the crowd. People of New Alzar, distinguished guests, said the herald. It is my honor and most holy charge to present Tashalan Fate Shaper, protector and fortifier of all Kikte, blessed tip of the living arrow, tamer of the sea of last breaths, Emperor of Azanra. The rotunda ignited in rapt applause as the emperor entered with his procession. He sat, legs folded, atop a gilded platform of silken pillows made to look like a nest of twigs and branches. It was supported by two rows of three beams, each carried by two Kikte soldiers in glittering white gold armor. The emperor reminded me of a condor, with onyx black wings and a bald head, red like raw granite. Black feathers covered his body in thick tufts. The beak was exceptionally long, stretching down to his navel. It appeared to have been shaven narrow and sharpened to look like a blade. Adorning his frail, withered body were immaculate robes, featuring multiple layers woven by golden silk, they were embroidered with a tableau of an epic kicktay battle from antiquity. Regal and dangerous, as expected. Surrounding the emperor and his retinue was a phalanx of imposing kicktay warriors. They wore silver armor, and their feet clutched bars attached to elevated wooden shoes that raised them an extra foot off the ground, emphasizing their importance. Each of them carried long spears and round shields, with a cutout at the top for the spears to be set. Longbows and quivers slung across their backs. Sky-touchers, I noted. At the front of the phalanx was an unmistakable kicktay, with long red and blue feathers lining her brow, a bandolier of focus gems across her cuirass. The three-dot tattoo on her left forefinger was barely visible behind her shield. Star-sired. Minister Glavios approached the retinue from the crowd. He was flanked by his own entourage of soldiers, each clad in the white, chirping clockwork armor I'd seen the guards wearing outside. The minister was a young human man, with copper skin, slicked black hair, and an impeccable black goatee. He wore an ice-blue ceremonial uniform, a frock coat with silver cords and buttons, lined with badges of honor sleek blue slacks and wingtip shoes, and a silken silver half-cape. 
Glavios knelt in front of the emperor and presented a small chest on a pillow of silver velvet. The herald took the chest and passed it to one of the retinue, who opened it and held it up for Tishalan to see. The emperor stared at it a good, long while before nodding slightly. A wave of relief passed over the minister. He rose, turning to the crowd and beaming. My friends, this is a momentous occasion for our two nations, he announced. His voice was dripping with sincere pride. For too long we have ignored the plight of the world below. Thanks to the generosity and faith of Emperor Tashalin, we will begin to pave a way forward, to finally heal the long festering wounds of a scarred continent. I invite you all to drink, dance, feast, and rejoice in the name of a brighter future. Ancestors watch over this day. And may the edicts preserve us always. May the edicts preserve us always, the crowd repeated, then followed with another round of applause. The air beside me warped for a moment, before producing Fernath next to the focus gem pedestal. He already looked a bit tipsy, carrying two more full drinks in his hands. Showtime, S, he said, handing one to me. A little liquid courage before we go in? Pretty words from our dear leader, but who knows what'll happen when the negotiations start. A hand squeezed my arm, followed by a whisper. I'll trust you to make the right decision, said the Inquisitor. She brushed past us, stealing one last glance at me, before placing a hand on the pedestal, vanishing. Fairnath whistled and struck my arm. I think she likes you. I downed the drink in one swift motion. Thrusting the empty glass back into Fernath's hands, I grasped the pedestal. Not my type, I growled. While the festivities continued in the ballroom, the leaders of the two superpowers convened in the Senate. Located at the tip of the teardrop rotunda, it was a fitting space for such an auspicious event. Sunlights plated the vaulted ceiling, allowing light to pour in and illuminate the silver sapphire room. An elegant oil painting lined the walls of the room, a mural depicting the history of Exesar, from the Alzarians to New Alzar. Small lanterns embedded with focus gems dotted the room, each projecting a prominent leader or person of influence. A wide, round table sat in the center of the room, large enough for about 100 senators and the minister. Its frame was pure silver, but the center was polished diamond. Etched into the diamond was Nualzar's crest, five beams of light meant to represent the five dominant races of Exesar, shooting out from a pair of open hands, presumably an Alzarian's. On a typical day, Hundreds of seats surrounded the senator's table, presumably for witnesses or press. Now, though, they had been removed in order to make space for the emperor and his retinue. Tashalan's nest was lowered directly across from Minister Glavio's seat at the table. His skytouchers flanked him, while his other soldiers formed a half-circle behind him. Glavio's guards did the same. 
I sat with Fairnath at the senator's table, four seats away from Glavio. While everyone was getting settled, I watched Starsired from across the room. She stood directly at the emperor's side, closer to him than even his herald. It was hard to tell with his elongated beak, but I thought I could see Tishalan mouthing something to her. A growing unease crept into my stomach. I was very much out of my depth, pretending to be a lawmaker. I'd barely survived idle conversation in the ballroom. How was I going to handle it when they realized I didn't know a single amendment, a common procedure or statute? And although the tone of this summit was one of peace, there was no denying the tension in the room. The sky-touchers didn't help. They stood so still, one might think they'd always been there, and the city had just built itself around them. Yet their eyes blazed with the warrior's spirit, unblinking, unyielding, unavoidable. The minister's guards had armor and weapons from the peak of civilization. The Kikte were surrounded, trapped on this lonely, deadly mountain. So why did everyone seem nervous except them? Let's begin, shall we? Minister Glavio clapped his hands together, leaning backwards in his chair. He wore the same beaming smile he'd shown the public down below, but now it came with an air of confidence, possibly expectation. The Kikte were guests in his house, but it was his house, and they'd do well to remember it. We, the Ardant Senate, gather today to commence a summit discussing an accord between our city-state and the country of Azen-Ra. Will our guests be so kind as to state their purpose here today, so that we may be sure it aligns with ours? The Emperor's herald opened his mouth to speak, but Star-Sired stopped him with a strong grip on his shoulder. The herald bowed his head and stepped back. Star-Sired met the eyes of the Emperor a moment, then stepped forward to face the minister. She spoke the trade-speak, and it was clear she was not used to it. Her words flowed in a slow, workmanlike manner, as though she were picking up vowels and consonants off the floor. She scowled as she did it, as though the language left a rank taste on her tongue. We, people of Azen-Ra, by grace and power of resplendent emperor Tashalan Fate Shaper, seek to join New Alzar with us to build great future, to take words from world. A murmur snaked across the Senate table. I saw a chain of confused, scowling faces. Did something get lost in translation? Why didn't they let their herald do the talking, I wondered. He seemed much more fluent in trade-speak. To leave the world speechless, you mean, clarified the minister. I agree completely. I firmly believe with our powers working side by side, we will accomplish wonders to rival our ancestors. Forgive me, minister, said Fairnath, raising a hand. This is such an unprecedented event for our sovereignty, one that brings with it much excitement, but also some trepidation. 
I think we're all waiting to see what the Kikte have brought us that warrants drafting an accord in the first place. Hmm, indeed, Senator Fairnath. The minister looked more than a little miffed at being interrupted. Per the bylaws of the Triumvirate Ardant, anyone from the lowlands seeking the aid of New Alzar must present a boon from the old world, a memento from our ancestors, the Alzarians. If the Senate and myself deem the gift to be of benefit to New Alzar, an accord is made. The minister gestured to Emperor Tashalin. Your resplendence, he said respectfully. When my emissaries met with your people in Azen-Ra last month, you showed them this device of yours. In their correspondence, they said it was a kind of forge, the likes of which no living mortal has seen. Could you elaborate, for my sake and for the Senate's, what exactly have you brought us? A moment of cutting silence followed. Starsired held the minister's gaze without blinking. Then, without breaking her gaze, she began walking towards the Senate table. She did not slow her stride as she came upon it, forcing several senators to push their seats out of the way. She took an effortless jump and planted her taloned feet onto the table. The minister's guards snapped into action, vaulting forward and training their rifles on her. Starsired raised both hands in deference, a breathless pause followed. We are dying, said Starsired. We kill ourselves, slowly, day by day, with our mortal conflict. All around, we see colors of death, purple, like poisoned waters of sundered strait, brown, like charred fields after battle. Corpses dot landscape, blue and green. If we do not stop, all colors mix, darken, all will be black. Starsired spread her wings wide. Several more senators dodged to avoid being sliced by her blade-tipped feathers. It was only then I realized the tips looked different than they had in the picture I'd seen back in Mira. These tips were black. What if there was no conflict? She asked, looking down at the senator's frightened faces. What if all war stops? Because all war is futile. Emperor Tashalin, breathed Minister Glavio. I must ask that you order your woman to stand down. My guards will not hesitate to... We have nothing to give to New Alzar, Starsired declared. But New Alzar has much to give us. She clenched her fists. As if by command, the black tips of her wings sprouted ink-like tendrils that stretched out in front of her, coalescing into a black orb the size of her head. The senators at the table gasped. Some ducked underneath the table, while others quit the table entirely and made for the doors. I crouched under the table, readying my weapons. Next, there were shouts of protest, followed by grunts of pain. 
the senators who ran were being blocked by the sky-touchers, shoved to the ground. Above the rising panic, I heard the rumbling din of thunder as the minister's guards charged their lightning-powered rifles. Fire! ordered Glavio. They did. The Senate lit up in a series of brilliant flashes as arcs of lightning screamed toward Starsired. I shielded my eyes from the light. Then, an overwhelming darkness overtook the light. I heard a sound, like the grating of a thousand swords against whetstone. Something rushed past me. I dove for the ground. Scores of blood-curdling cries sounded off above me. An impenetrable silence followed. I chanced to look around me. To this day, I wish I hadn't. Glavio, his guards, and every one of the senators were dead. The blue velvet of the seats in the senate carpet were dyed purple from fresh blood. Eyes and mouths open in protest, a look of pained horror on each of their faces. All of them had been divorced from life with a single, exacting blow, without so much as a twitch or gurgle trailing behind their demise. Protruding from their limp bodies were countless weapons, black as onyx, crafted seemingly from thin air. Daggers, long spears, halberds, arrows. Senator Fairnath lay sprawled on the floor next to me, his neck having been snapped by a bola wrapped around his throat. Above me, Star Sired remained where she'd stood before, unscathed. The black orb spun and undulated in front of her. It looked every inch like a miniature version of the weapon depicted in the picture of Widow's Ridge. The black sun. Swarming around the orb were a dozen more pitch-black weapons, and more still were being birthed from the orb itself. They pushed out of its semi-solid shape to float idly in the air, awaiting command. Panic froze me. Star-sired and the Sky-touchers hadn't noticed me yet, but what could I do? If a dozen Alzarian rifles couldn't touch her, what effect could I have? If I try to run for the door, she'll kill me in an instant, I thought. Her or the Sky-touchers. The best I could do now was play dead. Maybe if I used one of the demon's teeth darts on myself, they would overlook me. I flinched, as one of the conjured black spears buried its point in the floor right next to my head. The next thing I felt was a sky-toucher's wooden shoe slamming into my stomach. I reeled from the blow, rolling onto my back. Looking up, I saw two sky-touchers aiming their spears at my throat. Star-sired stepped down from the table and crossed to me. She loomed over my head, the black sun and its arsenal floating above her like an unholy constellation. Is this him? Starsired asked. It was unclear whom she was talking to. No one answered her. No one that I heard, anyway. After a moment, she nodded. I see. Kneeling down, she stretched out her taloned hand and rested it on my forehead. She pushed down hard, 
so hard I could feel her pulse through her palm. I tried to escape her, but the sky-touchers clamped down on my arms with their feet and pressed the spear-tips into my throat. I felt a strange buzzing in the air around my skin. Then, everything started to blur into a swirl of mist. No, I protested internally, but it was no use. Moments later, the blurring stopped. The sky-touchers looked at me, puzzled at whatever had changed. Star-sired smiled, and immediately I understood what she'd done. A clever trick, Claude Von Der, she said. She dispelled the false face. How in the pit did she do that? And how did she know my name? It came to me like a charging bull slamming into my gut. Three red dots. The space between words. You're a kindred, I breathed. I cursed myself for being so blind. She couldn't have been, or so I had believed. She was a silver sister, sworn enemy of kindred and frights. I thought that's why she carried focus gems, to fight with a fright's power without needing to make a contract. But I was wrong. The three dots were the symbol of the fright ravaging Denarthi, the fright of silence. An ellipsis. Denarthi was its kin by force, and Star sired its kin by choice. I'd been played a fool, and now I would pay the price for my foolishness. Star sired tilted her head and pursed her lips. How can I live with self, you wonder, she said, reading my mind. Not long ago, I would have wondered same. But this is new world, Claude Von Der. World of peace, where cries of war and pain are silenced. It has shown me, as it will now show you. I felt the pulse of her heart quicken through her hand. I knew what was coming. I'll pass, I said through grit teeth. With my right hand, the hand I'd slipped Quinn's glove on during the shootout, I gripped the foot of the sky-toucher holding me down. I sent an electric charge through his body, knocking him back and surprising the other two Kiktay. With my right hand free, I shot a demon's teeth dart at the sky-toucher on my left. He went down too, and with my left hand, the hand wearing Essa Delvacus's sonic ring, I sent a wave of force crashing straight into Starsired's face. The Silver Sister was thrown clear of me, bowling into several of the Emperor's guards behind her. Springing to my feet, I retrieved Essa's revolver from my pocket and summoned my phantom crossbow and armor. I took a few suppressive shots to throw off the soldiers before they could get their bearings, then ran for the door of the Senate. There were two sky-touchers guarding the door, readying their spears at me. I heard the Emperor shout something angrily and kick. In an instant, a hurricane of spears came for me. Several whizzed past me, and a few more bounced off my armor. I shot the two sky-touchers at the door. Their breastplates were no match for Essa's Alzarian pistol, and they fell instantly. Dropping the pistol, 
I used Essa's ring to blast the door clear off its hinges. Leaping over the Kikte bodies, I was about to clear the threshold when a dozen blades struck my back. I screamed, collapsing in the doorway. My phantom armor had been shattered, and my entire torso was a study in wounds. Ripped flesh, pierced muscle, and hot, fleeting blood were all I felt. That, and the weight of a dozen different weapons pressing into my back. I felt the light leave my eyes. My heartbeat slowed. The breath in my lungs began to matter less and less. All I could think about, as my grip on this world loosened, was Nix and his family. How I'd failed them, yet again. I felt a hand pressed down on the back of my head. It was star-sired. She muttered something I could no longer hear, as the sounds of the world seemed to fade down a long, echoing tunnel. As she spoke, though, a dozen disparate voices seeped into my head, like venom from a viper's fangs. They'll die without you. You wish to save them. It was Ellipsis. It could see my memories. It was making a statement, an observation of the truth, that I would stop at nothing to correct my mistake, that I would forsake everything to protect them. Yes, I thought weakly. It came unbidden, more of an impulse than a willful response. But even on death's doorstep, I knew that was all that would be required. This is your truth, Claude Von Der. The truth that escapes the words. Our pact is now complete. Rise, kin of Ellipsis. And all at once, I returned to the world. The pain left my body, and I felt restored. But I was not whole for my spirit watched it all happen from within the shattered, icy blue veil of the shade. My body moved without my permission. Ellipsis spoke to Star Sired with my voice, though I could not make out the words. And on my right forearm, where the mark of the ebon mist was, three red dots now laid on top of it. I opened my mouth to scream, and stopped, horrified, as no sound came out. Echoes of Exeser is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand and Boy Maldonado on freesound.org. Link in the description. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofxeaser at gmail.com.